Hello, my name's Gary, and this is episode 40 of EV Musings, a podcast about electric vehicles and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On today's show, we'll be asking the question, is the charging infrastructure really there? The answer might surprise you. Before we get started, I wanted to say that we are at a critical juncture in the life of this podcast. This episode marks the 40th edition, and as per the tradition we founded 20 episodes back, we will end the current season with this episode. We will be taking a break of a week or two as a hiatus, as our American friends say, and then we'll be back with the third season of EV Musings. Actually, to be strictly accurate, I'll be back with the third season of EV Musings. Simon and I sat down a couple of weeks ago and he decided that he wants to be able to focus his attention on his YouTube channel on electric vehicles and the electric skateboard. And as a result, he felt the best thing was to bow out the podcast to allow him to maintain his focus. I totally respect that desire. So from the beginning of season three, this podcast will officially be presented by me alone. I'm hoping to get some other guests involved and we might even see Simon back as a co-presenter for an episode or two in the future. But that's the situation as we are at the moment. Thank you to Simon for his involvement in the first two seasons. Having someone to work alongside has certainly focused my thoughts and pushed me to get an episode out each week. Hopefully, even though he's gone, I'll still be able to continue to do that. Our feature topic today is around charging infrastructure. There's a common statement made by many, myself included, that there are more chargers than petrol stations in the UK. And whilst that is 100% accurate, the implication is that charging is as easy as filling a car. And unfortunately, that is not always totally accurate. Let me start by saying, as I did at the end of a recent episode... The infrastructure for charging is never going to be as bad as it is today. Every day it gets better and better as more and more charging points are added. But this is only part of the solution. Having single 50 kilowatt chargers in remote places such as uh, Llandrindod Wells in mid Wales is all well and good until that charge point is occupied or broken. An ideal charging location will have several chargers or be co-located next to another location that has other chargers. Examples of this are detailed below, and they can be found, for example, in episode 39, where we discuss minimising range anxiety. But the key issue that is starting to make itself apparent at the moment is that of charger reliability as well as charger availability. Now, they're two different things, and let me explain. Charger availability is the coverage of chargers across a specific geography. For the UK, we'll look in a few moments at where the main gaps are and where availability is low. I'm looking at you, Central Wales. Reliability is the ability to guarantee a working charger wherever the charger is located. It's no good turning up for a charge with a low battery only to find out that either the unit you want to use is broken or, and this is possibly worse, the unit works but the connector to attach it to your specific vehicle isn't working. And I'm looking at you, Ecotricity and CCS. Regardless of what the issue is, if you can't get a charge from the unit into your vehicle, that's a wasted unit. I ran a non-scientific survey on Twitter recently asking the question, how many times in the past month have you been unable to charge in public due to a faulty or broken connector or charger? This didn't include iced chargers or chargers where another vehicle was already charging. It was simply units where a technical issue with the hardware or software, had prevented a charge being made, and the results were quite interesting. Of the 50 responses I received, more than a third had not been able to charge due to an issue with the hardware or software. 
Of that third, the majority had experienced this issue once, but there were still a number who'd experienced numerous faulty charges within the last month. So I changed the question slightly and asked, in the last month, what percentage of charges have been unable to be carried out as a result of faulty hardware or software. After all, if you've only rapid charged twice and once was an issue, that's a bigger problem than if you've charged every day and once was an issue. The results of this poll were also quite interesting. Basically, nobody admitted to having a problem for any more than about 25% of the charging events. Now, the conclusion that can be reached from this admittedly unscientific survey is that people who were having issues with charging were having them in a larger number of instances, but as a proportion of the total number of charges they were doing, it was a minor proportion. So does this mean it's an issue? Well, yes and no. A quick glance at apps such as PlugShare or ZapMap can easily identify charges which have been flagged as having issues. Overall, the proportion of charges with issues is quite small, but bearing in mind that if these charges are single ones, such as, say, a polar charger at a fairly remote location such as the Metropole Hotel and Spa in the middle of Wales, it can be quite a major issue if it's not available. Now, obviously, nobody expects 100% uptime for all chargers on all networks at all times. It doesn't happen to petrol pumps and it certainly won't happen to something such as a rapid charger, which has both hardware and software that needs to work together perfectly. But if there is an issue with a unit, surely it's to be expected that the unit will be fixed within a reasonably short period of time. Is 24 hours too much to ask? Looking at some of the comments attached to broken chargers, it's apparent that quite a few of them are not being fixed as quickly as we would like. It's quite well known, I think, that a lot of the Ecotricity chargers needed parts shipping in from Japan to fix them, and this meant that broken ones stayed broken for quite a while. But we're also seeing similar downtimes on other suppliers' broken units. Take Polar, for example. Their charger at Audley's Wood Hotel near Basingstoke has been out of action for over a month, according to ZapMap. Their unit at the Holiday Inn in Slough is showing issues going back over a month, although it does appear to have been used successfully a week ago before going US again. The charger at the Runnymede Hotel near Heathrow is showing Chadamo issues for over a month, with the unit allegedly being offline for replacement a week or so prior to that. The Hilton Cobham is showing issues on their charger going back over a week. The Crown Plaza in Kingston is showing as having been broken for over a week, with one commenter on the chat saying, just a classic example of the colossal failure of a company that BP is. Such unreliability is making ecotricity look like Tesla superchargers. Ooh. The Starbucks in Hayes is showing issues for over a month with no power going to a site. Then power appears to have been restored three weeks ago, but now there's a connector issue. The charger at 376 Hendon Way in London is shown as having been offline for anything between two weeks and a month, depending on who you believe. Polar recently posted a tweet reminding customers that they can notify them of issues on charges via a web form. If you sift through the abusive comments talking about how bad this is from a user experience point of view, you'll find a lot of comments identifying charges that have been out of order for quite a while. Mentioned, for example, are the Crown Plaza at Solihull, Oxford Street Q Park, the Rapid on Talgarth Road in London, and the new 150kW charges in Gerrard's Cross. Let's look at Genie Point. Their Rapid at Wayhill West on the A303 is shown as being out of service for anything between three days and a week. The Commerce Park service station in Frome is shown as being dead for more than three weeks now, despite Genie Point having been told. The unit at Furlong Car Park near Bournemouth Airport is shown as being dead for a minimum of three days and possibly as much as a week. 
Morrison's in Ipswich has shown us having issues for well over three months with the unit not being powered up, despite Genie Point having been called. The unit at Jet Steelmakers near Scunthorpe was hit by a drunk driver two months ago and is still not working. Just to clarify, there are other units for both Genie Point and Polar which were shown as not working, but these units were ones where the check-in history and chat meant it wasn't easy to establish a timeline where there had been issues that were not addressed quickly. I also checked Instavolt and Engini, and while they did have units with issues, none of them appeared to be more than a day or so old and therefore did not merit inclusion. This is obviously a function of having far fewer units to manage than some of the other people such as Genie Point and Polar. I tweeted my followers for other examples and received the following. The Tesla superchargers in the motorway service area in Fleet, Hampshire had been three years without power. The CYC charger at Brunel Wayne Slough uh, looks to be out of service for about two years and the Charge Place Scotland charger in Dunkeld which uh, looks to have been on and off intermittently for several months. So. Once a unit goes out of service, we find that they're not always been dealt with and reinstated quickly. The other issue with charging units is ensuring you have enough units to satisfy the demand without having to wait more than a few minutes. In this case, I'm talking more about rapid chargers than fast chargers, although to some extent that does apply there. On a couple of occasions recently, I've had to go to a second choice charger. You do have a second choice charger for every main charger, right? Because the first choice charger was being used. In both cases, it was being used by a plug-in hybrid on the 22 kilowatt AC connector. If you're somewhere such as the Polar Hub at Milton Keynes, the Ingenie Hub at Stratford, or one of the Instavolt hubs in the Lake District, having one charger occupied is just not a major issue. But wherever there is only one unit in a location, it becomes problematic, especially when you're in an area that's not well served with chargers anyway. So let's have a look at the places where the lack of rapid charges is starting to become problematic. From a Polar point of view, those who uh, subscribe to Polar or use Polar um, in preference to other chargers, if you're on the M1 corridor, it's not a good place to be. Considering they are the largest rapid network in the UK, Milton Keynes to Sheffield has huge gaps with nothing at all from Polar, and then you get two at the same junction at Derby. Central Wales is also a black spot. More are starting to come in this area, but Polar are sadly missing again. Ingenie have one in Merthyr Tydfil, and then nothing until you hit Rill in North Wales. Polar own the sole Central Wales rapid charge at Flandrindod Wells, when it works, with another couple on the coast road near Aberystwyth. Back in South Wales, you're out of luck heading west from Cardiff, as there's one in Swansea and nothing else until you get to the Pembrokeshire Coast National Park. Instavolt have a rapid in Leominster near the English border and nothing else north of that in Wales. There's also a big gap in Ingenie coverage between the M62 corridor between Liverpool and Hull and the Scottish border with just three chargers, three Ingenie chargers installed along the east coast in Middlesbrough, Newcastle and Annick. Is it Annick? Alnwick. Showing my ignorance, never mind. From the Scottish borders to Edinburgh and Glasgow, Polar have basically nothing. Once you pass Gretna Green, the next rapid unit on their network is at Glasgow. If you're heading up the East Coast, there's one unit between Newcastle and Edinburgh. The Lake District is poorly served by the major charge suppliers, with the exceptions being Instavolt and Genie Point. The Instavolt partnership with Booths has added units at Keswick, Windermere, Kendall, Carlisle and Ulverston. They've also got the M6 between Preston and Kendall sewn up with eight locations along that stretch. Genie Point have seven locations across the district from Whitehaven on the coast through to Keswick and Ambleside. 
Let's move over to East Anglia. Ingenie also have one lone charger location in East Anglia with a unit at Dereham in Norfolk. Polar are a little better in this area with a grand total of three units from Norwich to Cromer. They also have another couple down near Ipswich. Once again, Instavolt have come up trumps here with three central locations, Ely, Thetford and Bury St Edmunds, two in Norwich and another in Lowestoft. Let's head down to the southwest. If you want to head west of Yeovil with Ingenie, you're pretty much out of luck. They've got nothing in the Devon Cornwall space. Polar have a few more down in that space with a couple around Barnstable, a couple near Exeter, three around Plymouth and a couple around Newquay. On the A30 between Exeter and Land's End, there's one Polar unit. Instavolt are also quite sparse in this area with one in Plymouth and one on the coast north of Newquay. But if you're looking to charge down that way, Genie Point are the masters of this domain. Between Exeter and St Ives, they have 22 locations across the whole of the Devon Cornwall Peninsula from Torquay in the south to Biddeford and Bude in the north. On the south coast between Brighton and Dover, there are a grand total of two polar units, both of them in Eastbourne. If you're willing to travel inland a little, you'll find another at Ringmer on the A26. I know speaking with the Sussex EVs group that they're constantly complaining about the lack of rapids in the area, something which seems to fall mostly on deaf ears. I regularly retweet out posts from Instavolt in Genie and Polar slash BP Chargemaster and Genie Point when they open a new rapid anywhere in the country. And I'm always encouraged whenever a new rapid goes in and both Ingenie and Polar are regularly switching new ones on. So well done to both of those companies. But in the same breath, I am slightly discouraged when I see that the units are single rapids, meaning any issue will be problematic for users wanting to use them. I'm also discouraged when I read the comments below them. Alongside the well-deserved thanks and kudos for the companies for putting these charges in, there are always comments from people living in areas that are poorly served by charges. Central Wales generally figure in these comments. When we look at suppliers such as Instavolt, who, as a rule, install two units at a minimum wherever they put a new location live, it does beg the question of why this can't be a standard for all charge point suppliers. After all, Tesla seem to be able to add numerous high-powered charges at all their locations, and Instavolt don't have an issue adding two or more, so why do the other major suppliers seem to hit power supply issues with their installs? That's one of life's great mysteries, like how does the man who drives a snowplow get to work in the morning? In summary, I don't want you to go away thinking that all's doom and gloom with the infrastructure. But with the increase in uptake of EVs due to more choice lowering of prices and the removal of the benefiting kind charge in the UK, the infrastructure has to keep pace. Our friends who drive Teslas are already encountering situations where supercharger stations are full at busy times, leading to some waiting time before they can charge. If this becomes the norm for other types of EV, this will be an issue that will inhibit uptake. There are a few small things charge companies need to do to combat this. Number one, provide multiple units at each charging location where possible. Number two, provide multiple locations close to each other where dual units are not possible. So two charges within a mile of each other, for example. Number three, fill in the huge gaps in coverage as soon as possible. And number four, ensure charges are maintained and fixed as quickly as possible. Ideally, fewer than 36 hours, uh, with 24 hours being a target. If we can get this in place, then I believe EV drivers and potential purchasers would be more than happy. It's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with you listeners. Electric scooters are going to get the green light for use on public roads under a new proposal being considered. 
The legislation is just one proposal in a wider plan to enable transport revolution, which also involves projects to trial medical deliveries to the Isle of Wight using autonomous drones and a test of self-driving cars between Bristol and Bath. But the scooters, which are already in widespread if unlawful use across the UK, will initially only be allowed in four future transport zones, Portsmouth and Southampton, the West of England Combined Authority, Derby and Nottingham and the West Midlands. The trial will assess what new restrictions should be put in place, such as a minimum age for riders, speed limits, licensing, insurance and helmets. Other topics include minimum design standards, whether they should be allowed in cycle lanes, and what powers local authorities should have to manage e-scooter hire firms. I know this is something Simon will be watching with interest because it will have a knock-on effect on the electric skateboards he likes to use. And that's our show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you want to contact us, I'm the Real Gary C on Twitter or use the EV Musings Twitter account, Musings EV. If you're wanting a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. Links for everything I've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps raise our visibility and extend our reach in search engines. Thanks, as always, to my co-founder, Simon. You know, he was telling me the new electric skateboards they're producing mean he can pretty much spend 24-7 making YouTube videos as long as they're reliable. I asked him how long he's prepared to go without making a YouTube video if his board breaks down. And he said, if there is an issue with the unit, surely it's to be expected that the unit will be fixed within a reasonably short period of time. Is 24 hours too much to ask? Thanks for listening. Bye.